Sister Miriam Heidlin, nationally known inspirational speaker, recently spoke at St. Peter Cathedral in Marquette as part of the Charismatic Retreat. She spoke on five separate occasions on May 23rd and 24th on the topic of the healing power of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, you'll hear part one of that series, Sister Miriam Heidlin. this evening. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I, I am uh, just very delighted to be here. I live in the great nation of Texas, so I live in the, in the deep south, and it's very, very, very hot there already. And so can I just say, walking outside, y'all have a wonderful spring. Can I just say that? It is so absolutely lovely. And I feel, I just feel like that is healing to the soul. Just your lilacs are blooming. Do you know that? Do you should know your lilacs are blooming right now. It's so stunning and the water and the beauty and it's just, I was, as I, I walked five miles today. <laughs> so I just was stunned by the loveliness of it. And I, I just, I, God is so beautiful and he makes beautiful things. And my heart for you this weekend, I, we're gonna be on a journey together and I, I'll share with you a lot this weekend, but I know very well, and I've, I've been speaking, and I give retreats and, and conferences, and I speak to thousands of people every year across the nation, but I tell you this, one thing I do know, I know this, that the most important thing that you're going to hear tonight, and if you come back this weekend, the most important thing that you're going to hear all weekend is not anything I'm going to say. The most important thing that you're going to hear this weekend is what the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And I was so overwhelmed as I prayed for you. I've been praying for you for a long time. And I just was asking the Lord to bring this weekend whoever he wants to bring, whoever that is. And so I've been praying for you, each one of you, each one of you. And I know very deeply that the Lord desires um, to bring healing into your life. I know very deeply that the Lord desires to bring communion into your life. And so really, honestly, my desire is to just get out of the way so the Lord can do that. So I, when Monsignor was asking me kind of what I was to, wanted to title this weekend, as you notice, if you have the schedule, I prayed about it and I titled it Love Poured Out. Like, love poured out, the healing power of the Holy Spirit. And the, I, you know, am in a long list of people throughout thousands of years who've talked about the Holy Spirit. And I really, when I, when, I, when I encounter the Holy Spirit, I encounter the Holy Spirit as, as kindness, as fire, and as love and communion. And so I built the talks around the reality of the Lord bringing us into communion and in all the places that we are fragmented and scattered, okay? So even now, let me just say this, so even now you're sitting here and it's, it's Friday evening and it's 7.02 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay? And you are physically here, you are logistically here, but I think for some of you, perhaps your mind is a million miles away, you know? And you're still thinking about, did I leave the iron on? I can't remember if I, should I turn that off before I left? And you know, you're thinking about your teenage son and he made that little silly comment before he left and when he gets home, I'm gonna talk to him and tell him. You know, it's kind of like how we do that. And we can be physically someplace, but we can be emotionally, mentally, just a million miles away, okay? So what I would like to do is I would just like to give you a few moments to just allow the Lord to speak to you. So if you can, I'm gonna ask you to stand up, if you could stand up. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna be your mom for a second, because some of you stand up nice and tall, okay? So your shoulders back, okay? Because we, we sometimes we cave in and it, it obstructs the air in our lungs, and so the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. So I'm just gonna have you take a deep breath in through your nose all the way in, and just breathe all the way out, okay? Let's take another deep breath all the way in, and all the way out. And I just want to invite you to close your eyes just for a second, if that's okay. And I want to invite you, my dear friends, just to very honestly offer to Jesus whatever is on your heart right now, whatever is joy or sorrow or something distracting you or maybe you're afraid. I just want to give you a few moments to offer that to the Lord because if it matters to you, it matters to Him. So let's just do that now. Let's offer to the Lord very honestly all that is in our heart. Let's take another deep breath all the way in and all the way out. And Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to you. Oh, we ask that you would speak to each one of us so deeply. Holy Spirit, melt our hearts, melt what is frozen, warm what is chill. And I pray that you would be the gentle consolation throughout this entire weekend. We entrust to you all of our worries, our anxieties, the places in our life that we fear will never get better, all that's in our hearts, our hopes and dreams. And we ask that you would take care of us in a very special way this weekend. We ask you, Mother Mary, you who are overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, you who bore Christ for us. I ask you, Mama, that you would pray for us, that you would wrap us in your mantle, that you would teach us about your spouse, the Holy Spirit. Teach us in a new way that we've never known before. And we turn to you, Mama, who are all beautiful, as we pray together as a family. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You may have a seat. So tonight, I, I wanna speak really about you, and I've titled the talk, Why Your Heart Matters. Why does it matter? Why does it matter why what happens in here in the deepest recesses of your soul, of your being, the very center of who you are, why does that matter? Because I can tell you this, what's happening here in your heart right now and what's happened here in your heart since you were conceived in your mother's womb, when you were a little boy, a little girl, as you grew up into young adulthood and now if you're a fully mature adult, I can guarantee you that what has happened here and what is happening here affects everything out here. Everything. And a story that I've been sharing with some audiences was I, I mentioned to you that I live in Texas and it's very, very common for it to be the middle of November and still be 85 degrees outside. That's very common for us. And so I was doing a, a bit of a retreat in Austin, Texas. I live in Corpus Christi, which is on the Gulf of Mexico, very far south. And Austin is about three hours north of me. 
And I was, doing a, a, I was doing a personal retreat in Austin, but before I started the retreat, I wanted to go to the art museum because, you know, who doesn't want to do that in Austin, Texas? And so I was driving myself to the art museum, and I was just noticing as I was getting closer to downtown Austin, and the art museum there is on the campus of the University of Texas, I just noticed that as I got closer to town, there were more and more tents under the overpasses on the freeways, you know. And it's very, um, you know, the homeless population is very common, especially in warmer, warmer weather. And I just noticed that just there were more and more tents as I got closer and closer to downtown. And as I pulled off the freeway to, to take the intersection that would take me to the art museum, I stopped at the red light. And all of a sudden, to my left here, there was a young man that caught my attention. And I looked over, and it was early in the morning. And I will never forget this. He had on white athletic socks and he had on cargo shorts and a t-shirt, and his blonde hair was piled in a bun. And what caught my attention mostly, though, was that he had, this he had this blanket, and he was shaking out the blanket, and he was folding it very particularly. And he would shake it out, and it wasn't right, and so he would, you know, he would, would press out the wrinkles, and then he would shake it out and fold it again. And I saw that he already had a blanket that was very nicely folded over a shopping cart. And I was just lost in a moment just watching him. And, and as I watched him fold that blanket and just the way he was doing it so particularly, the first thought that came to me was, I bet his mama taught him that. <laughs> I bet his mom taught him how to do that. And as I watched him and he finally got the blanket just right, he, he, he placed it over the other one and he continued on his way. And I thought about him and I looked at him and, and I thought to myself, man, how did you get here? He's probably about 24 years old. And I thought to myself, how, how do you get to underneath an overpass in downtown Austin? Like, how does that become part of your life? Is it, is it an improvement maybe for him from what he suffered as a child? Are his parents looking for him somewhere? Do they think he's dead? Is this something that is, are his parents a mile down the road and they haven't seen him in a long time? Is he an addict? I don't know. But I know he has a story. And as I was watching him that warm November morning in Austin, Texas, and just wondering like how he got there, I just was transfixed by him. And obviously, I still carry him in my heart. And then in a moment, the light turned green. And I went through the intersection, and I turned left. And I went to the art museum. And I never saw him again. And I thought, you know, for you and I, many times in our life, we get to certain places in our life, and if you've ever had moments like that, where the, the Lord kind of speaks to you, or you have kind of an interior awareness, and you say to yourself, how did I get here? <laughs> like, how did, I, how did I get here? And it might be a milestone in your life when you turned 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, maybe it was a wedding anniversary. Maybe it was an argument with your spouse and you're, yell you're yelling at your spouse for the hundredth time about the same thing over 25 years. <laughs> and you're saying to yourself, how did, I, how did we get here? Like, how does this happen? How do we get to where we are? How, how is it that what we love captivates our hearts and what breaks our hearts? How is it that we get to be certain age in life and s many of us still have secrets in our life we've never told anybody? How do we get here? Because see, there's a reason why we get to where we get, and there's a reason why we live the way we live, and why we do what we do. Because my dear friends, nothing in our life is arbitrary. Nothing. 
Even how you get to work in the morning, there's a way you get to work in the morning that you take every single morning that works for you. There's a reason why at every Thanksgiving you have this conversation with Aunt Anne. It's very wonderful how our lives are, in a sense, mostly subconsciously laid out before us, and we get to certain times in our life and we hit bottom maybe, or we hit a hard part of our heart, or we just kind of settle into life and we say, well, this is as good as it's gonna get. Or I already know all there is to know. I don't need to know anything more. And yet somehow in our life, we know that can't be it. That can't be it. And you and I in our life, many times we settle for mediocrity. We settle for this is as good as it's gonna get, this is as good as my relationship with God is gonna get, this is as good as the nation, whatever that is for us. And we say that's okay and it's not okay in our heart, I don't believe we believe it for a second. Which is why we're always aching for something more. Which is why you're here this weekend. You're here this weekend, and maybe it's something that you do every year, but you're here this weekend because in your heart, the Lord has spoken to you, and you know that there's something more, that there's something more, and sometimes we don't know what the more is, and maybe many times it's probably good that we don't, <laughs> but we know that there's more. So this is why I start here in the heart, because it's here in the heart where your relationship with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with the Father is born, and it is sustained, and where it lives. What, happened, what happens here matters. It matters more than you can possibly imagine. And one of my favorite catechism quotes is from Catechism 2563. And it's talking about this very thing. The catechism is very beautiful. I mean, the catechism is such a glorious work. It's so very beautiful. I remember for one of my graduate school classes, we had to read extensive portions of the catechism. And, you know, you know we read the catechism, maybe you, you prepare for CCD class or you had to do it for confirmation, things like that. I remember we had to read such large portions of the catechism for this graduate school class. I would just be lost in the beauty of it. And I would sometimes put the book down, I would just start crying. I'm like, who cries over the catechism? It's just like so beautiful. Beautiful. Our, our, faith, our faith is so stunningly beautiful. You know, and I think when we walk away from our faith, we walk away because we have no idea what we're walking away from. It is so beautiful. God is so beautiful. He's stunning. So Catechism 2563, it says this. This is about you. It says, the heart, the heart is the dwelling place of where you are, of where I am. It is where I live. The heart is our hidden center. It is beyond the grasp of our reason or of others. Only the Spirit of God can fathom the human heart and know it fully. The heart is the place of decision, deeper than our psychic drives. It is the place of truth, where we choose life or death. It is the place of encounter, because as image of God we live in relation, it is the place of covenant. It is the core of who we are. It is that it's so deep in us, our heart, the biblical, when we talk about, and that, this is a much longer quote in the catechism than what I've read to you here today, but it talks about how biblical language talks about the heart. You know, the, the David was a man after God's own heart. When Jesus says, it's from the fullness of the heart the mouth speaks. Proverbs say, you know, guard your heart. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. And when we speak about the heart, we're not talking about a sentimental idea of doing whatever feels good to you at the moment. We're talking about the deepest place of who you are that dictates every decision that you ever make. 
and this matters. It is the place here where God has united you to himself. This is the place where God lives and in the core of our being where God lives. It is the place at the heart of us that even we don't understand many times. I love it. It says it's the, only the spirit of God can fathom the human heart. And I'm sure we're all like, amen to that. Cause I don't even understand myself half the time, you know, like I don't understand. Have you ever done something? Have you ever, okay. Have you ever done something? I, I use this example a lot, but you're about to say something and the Holy Spirit's like, don't say that. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. And you're like, oh no, I need to tell her exactly what I think about this. And the Holy Spirit's like, mm -mm, don't do that. And so you, you say it. And as you say it, you're like, no, you know, you're trying to like grab the words and like stuff them back in your mouth, you know? And of course the words land very ugly, you know, on somebody else. And you're like, oh. and what's the first thing you say to yourself? I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> or why our behavior surprises us at times. Or why, you know, like St. Peter, I love St. Peter, why we can tell the Lord, no, Lord, I'll, I, I'll die with you, I really mean it, I'll do it. And then like a few hours later, we're terrified. They're just, it's so lovely, the disciples are just like us. It is the place where the Lord reveals us to ourselves, where the Lord dwells here, where he knows us fully, where he, he reveals us to ourselves. Like St. John Paul II talks, he spe speaks extensively about a quote from Gaudium et Spes, where he says that man, you know, Christ reveals man to himself. That you and I, we, you and I will never find out who we are by looking in the mirror or looking at anything else. It's Christ who reveals us to ourselves. He reveals us to the heart. And my favorite part, my favorite part of this entire quote is the end when it says, the heart is the place of encounter. And because as image of God, we live in relation, it is the place of covenant, covenant. And this, this is the hallmark of everything I'm going to talk about tonight, the place of covenant, because this is so important for you and I, that because we're made for relationship, that we receive our identity as sons and daughters, we, we receive our first identity as relationship, that the Holy Trinity is a family, that we came from a family, we live in families, and ideally we're going back to a family. This is why we want to be in communion with one another. This is why we want our marriages to be happy. This is why when the church breaks apart or society breaks apart, this is why it breaks our hearts and it should. Because we're made for communion and intimacy and relationship. We are made for covenant. Because see, a covenant is very different than a contract. A contract is an exchange of goods. So say, for example, you might have heard that, I believe it was in February, that Texas had some pretty bad weather. We don't, we don't do below freezing, especially in South Texas. We don't know how to do that. And so where I live, it's, you know, it's tropical. We have tropical plants and we have palm trees and our houses actually sit above the ground. Okay, so all of our PVC pipes are exposed. There's no insulation, there's nothing. So when that cold front came in February and took over the entire state of Texas, we had 18 degree weather with a wind chill of one, okay? Needless to say, we don't fare very well with that, okay? So um, all of our, we all lost power, we all lost water. Um, on the complex where I live, there, we have five houses on our complex. Every single one of us had busted pipes, okay? It was like nothing. There was no water in the city. The, the water main in, in Corpus Christi broke. It was like a, a big disaster for us. And you know, people didn't really know what to do. And it took months for people to get their power restored, to get their water back, to have all their pipes fixed and things like that. And plumbers worked overtime. They ran out of supplies in the state of Texas and it was really crazy. So we had a plumber that was so very kind to us. He actually, when we, we called him, so that happened like Tuesday, 
On Thursday, we called him. We were already 200 people deep on the list. And that's just one plumber. We're 200. We're on the waiting list of 200 houses that all have shattered pipes. And we were like, well, we should probably buy some water because this is going to be a while. You know, we're not really sure. We, we should move to Michigan. We weren't really sure what to do at that point. You know? And so, um, true story, that plumber saw the list of people that were on his list. And he was at Home Depot at that very moment. And he picked up the phone and he called my superior. And he had no idea, like, that my superior, he saw the name, our name on his list, but he did not know that we had just called. And he called my superior and he said, I don't know why, but your face is on my mind. I'm going to come over and bring one of my guys and we're going to see what we can do to help you. Right? So we jumped the list of 200 people. Sorry, y'all, if, if you see this talk. It, and so he, he was at our house for weeks. He was at our house for weeks. And they donated most of the work. I mean, they were just such wonderful people. But you know, when you say when you sign a contract with somebody, you know, say for example, they come over, they fix our pipes, and you know, we agree on a price and a time, and we sign a contract, right? And so he does his end of the deal, we pay him, you know, and we shake hands, and he goes home, and we don't see each other. Like he's not coming over for Taco Tuesday the next week at our convent. That's not what's happening, because we've already signed a contract. But see, God doesn't sign contracts with us; He makes a covenant with us. And a contract is an exchange of goods, but a covenant is an exchange of people. A covenant says, I am yours, and you are mine forever. I am yours, and you are mine forever. It says, I am never leaving you. I will never forsake you. I will never forget you. I will never leave you out. I will never abandon you. I will always be with you. I will always love you. You are mine. That's what a covenant says. And that reality of covenant, which we see from the very beginning of creation and, and in the garden with Adam and Eve, that God makes a covenant with them. And he says, I will be your God. You will be my people. I will be your God. You belong to me. We're, we're, we are one. We're, you belong to me. And we know that very well in the garden that Adam and Eve are deceived by Satan like you and I are deceived by Satan every single day. It's always the same lie. And the lie is this. God is not good and you cannot trust him. God is not good all the time and you can't trust him. He's a liar. <laughs> Right? The father of lies, he comes and twists the reality of who God is, and he twists and he projects his own self, right? And so Adam and Eve buy into the lie, and at that moment what happens is their hearts shatter. Their hearts shatter. They go from being, I mean, we can't even imagine, we can't even imagine how beautiful that would have been of Adam and Eve in the garden, perfectly ordered. We, we're so far away from that, we can't even imagine what it would like, be like to have our, our wills ordered, our intellect ordered, our passions ordered, to be fully beautiful, fully alive, to walk in harmony with God, to walk in harmony with each other, to be in harmony here within ourselves. We're not always at war with ourselves, that we're not at war with creation, that creation is at peace, you are at peace, your relationship with God is at peace, your, your relationship with other people is at peace. We ache for that. We ache for it because it's a sign of our home, where we came from and where we're going. And we ache for it is because we know the other side of it also. And we know that when Adam and Eve buy into that lie, their hearts are shattered, their intellects are darkened, their wills are weakened, their passions are disordered, they're broken within, 
They're broken with each other. They're broken with God, and not on His end, but on our end. And they're broken with creation. And the first thing they do after this is they hide. <laughs> so great. Because we still do the same thing. It's so wonderful, you know. Because what's the first thing that you do after you say the thing you shouldn't have said? Or you're looking at your cell phone again and looking at stuff you know you shouldn't be looking at? Or you do the same thing again over and over. What is your first temptation? And we all know the variation of that because our first temptation is to hide. It's to hide. Because see, this is what I love about God. This is so beautiful is because we see even from the garden, the Lord goes in search of them. The Lord goes in search of them. Jesus comes in search of you and I. And you know, many times in life we feel like we're the ones searching for God, as if we're the ones showing up for prayer. And if God would show up one of these days, it'd be really great. We feel like we're the ones going to Mass every Sunday. We're the ones praying the rosary. We're the ones at the charismatic program. Like we're doing the work and the Lord's like, oh, you love me because I have loved you first. I've been calling you from all eternity. I love you. And it's so great because God often asks us questions. I love the way the Lord teaches us. He's very good. We have this idea that God kind of gives these like long dissertations. When you look at how Jesus teaches, Jesus does not teach like that. And you see that from the, some of the first words in the Genesis where God goes in search of them and, you know, he walks with them in the breezy time of the day and they're nowhere to be found, you know. It, and he asks them a question. And I think we have to be very careful about the tone of voice that we assign to God, right? And he asks them this question. He comes to them and they're nowhere to be found and he says, where are you? Where are you? And this is not a logistical question. He knows exactly where they are. But he's asking them a question here, my friends. So if I were to ask you that question tonight, and this is rhetorical, if I come before you here tonight and I just say, where are you? <laughs> or where do you find yourself? What would you say? Because sometimes we think God is lost. God's not lost. We are. I'm at Chick-fil-A most of the time. I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I'm at Chick-fil-A. Could you come find me? I have no idea where I am right now, you know. But the Lord, he comes to find us. He comes to find us. And jo Father Jacques Philippe, I love Father Jacques Philippe. He has this beautiful quote from one of his books. I'm not sure if it was a school of the Holy Spirit. I can't remember which one it was. But he said it's only intimate contact, only intimate contact with the heart of Jesus that can heal the hardness of the human heart. It is only the intimate contact with the heart of Jesus that can heal the hardness of the human heart. And what is it that heals the hardness of the human heart? Nothing other than love. Authentic love is what heals the hardness of our heart. And I don't know if you can think of, just for a second, if you can think of a time, and maybe it's when you were really little, and maybe it was a time of prayer. Maybe it was a time of after you went to confession or in the confession, or maybe it was a good cup of coffee with a friend or a reconciliation with your spouse over something you guys, you thought you'd never get over and you, you've worked through it and you look at each other and you just, at, at, for a distinct moment, you feel so incredibly loved. So incredibly loved. And it just pierces our soul. 
And that's what we ache for in our heart. And so much of our hearts many times have never been touched by the Lord in all these different places. So these places become hard, not because we're bad people, it's because our hearts have been shattered and there's like this sea of glass all over the seashore that's our heart. And sometimes we wonder, will it ever be put back together again? And Jesus comes to us and he finds us on that seashore and he asks us, where are you? What's happening here? And what the Lord does is what we see him doing so profoundly in this Easter season, what he's doing with you and I, even at this very moment, is he's coming so reverently and so honorably and so respectfully to every fragmented part of our heart, my dear friends, not to fix us. Jesus Christ did not come and suffer and die for us to fix us. He came and suffered and he died for us to bring us into communion and intimacy and a love that will never end. It will never end. This is why, this is why, and I know you know the answer to this, this is why in the Western world, okay, it's not the same in every part of the world, but in the Western world, every single fairy tale ends with what? And they lived what? Oh, you've read a couple before. Okay, so you know that, right? Did you know it's a Christian worldview? Fairy tales in other parts of the world don't always end like that. But in Christianity, the stories end with, and they live happily ever after. Which you could take the New Testament, close the book of Revelation where it says, come Lord Jesus, and you could say, and they lived <laughs> happily ever after. And this is what we ache for. And I think we look at our life many times and we look at our lives and we say, well, I don't, I don't see that happening in my life <laughs> right now. I don't see what's happening in my life. And we, we see the places of sorrow or we see the places where we ache for more or we see where we want more of the Holy Spirit. We want our hearts to be transformed. But so often in our hearts, we just hit, we hit up against these places. And so when Jesus sends us his spirit, when he says, you know, you stay here, you stay here and you wait for the promise of the Father. You wait. I'm going to send you another advocate. I'm going to send you a paraclete. I love just the word paraclete. You know, we often say that, you know, we talk about the divine praises, you know, blessed be the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. The paraclete literally means one who comes alongside you to defend you. And I was like, please give me more of that. I need somebody to come alongside of me and defend me. The, the one who, the, the gift, the love, the Holy Spirit, the fire. We see the Holy Spirit symbolized as water, as dove where the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he is the love that animates us because it's love that animates Christ. And this is the very mission that we are on. So when we talk catechetically about the movements of the Holy Spirit, and you learn this in CCD class, the three movements of the Holy Spirit, the first one is that he comes to bring us into communion with Christ. And that's what we're talking about right now. That the, the right now, the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart right now, at this very moment. He's drawing near to you. Because it says in the very first paragraph of the Catechism, God draws near to man. Always. Always. He's drawing near to you right now to bring you into communion with him. He's bringing you in this place, and in this place, and in this place, and in this place. It's one of my favorite examples of that is the gospel that we heard at Mass this morning or today of Peter. This is exactly what's happening, and this is what Jesus does in your life and in my life. 
And we see it so beautifully, so graciously that once again, the disciples have failed him. And what is Jesus's nature, his disposition toward them, but to pursue them, to reconcile them to himself? I don't know about you, but I don't always have that same response to people who hurt me. (laughs) I hope to be so free one day. I hope to be so free one day that I can live the way Christ lives and offer a blessing and something beautiful in return when people hurt me deeply. I'm working on it. It's a long journey. But you see that, and he comes in search of Peter. And it's such a beautiful human experience because as you know very well, you know, we read the account, we read the Triduum, we, we read the Gospels that Jesus, he's at the Last Supper with the disciples and Peter, he, he means well and he's so full of fire and like we all are. In all the various ways we, we want to be perfect and we want to do well and we do and Peter means well. He just doesn't know himself yet. <laughs> and you see him telling Jesus, I'm going to die with you, Lord, and P- Jesus is like, Peter, and it's such a kind mercy because Jesus is like softening the fall of Peter, saying, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I'd never do that. I would never do that. And you see him, what happens in his life is the same thing that happens in your life and my life when, when somebody comes that we have a big disagreement with or something happens where we, we, we become afraid and we hide behind our locked doors and we cower and we return something hateful or we ignore that person or we ignore God. It's the same thing over and over again. And you see Peter in his moment of being pressed, he, he just completely collapses and he denies the Lord. Not like just deny him, but absolutely denies him. And I, I have to look up this more, but I was listening to a homily of, by a priest on a Holy Thursday, and he was saying that, you know, when, when it says that Peter began to curse and swear and to deny the Lord, that's not like just cursing and swearing. He's actually using, it was a, a Latinized uh, version of the Greek word meaning anathema, meaning letting him go to hell. Like, that's so serious what Peter did. And the beautiful, I think it's Luke's account where after he denies Jesus, the cock crows, and Peter looks at Jesus, and Jesus just looks at Peter. Could you imagine? And Peter just weeps. And from that moment on, he can never reconcile with Christ. And we've all had situations in our life where somebody, you can't reconcile with them. Either they won't talk to you anymore, you try to call them, they won't pick up the phone. Your kid left home 20 years ago and they're still blaming you for what happened as a child. They won't talk to you, they won't engage with you. You, you text somebody, they won't text you back, and it doesn't it make you sick to your stomach? And I can just imagine Peter, because he's all of us. And the Jesus is crucified, then he dies, and I mean, just Peter would have been so overcome in his own heart. and. It just, it would have been so overwhelming. And then what happens? Jesus rises from the dead and Peter starts to see Jesus approach, but Jesus hasn't come for him personally yet. Not yet. Until the end of the Gospel of John. When Jesus comes just for Peter. Like he comes just for you and I. And what happens? Peter, like you and I, he goes back to his old life and he's like, I'm done. I'm going fishing. And he goes back. And what happens, they spot Jesus on the shore, and we know the story where they swim to shore, and I can imagine Peter probably gearing up to get lectured. He's probably afraid Jesus is going to be like, oh, thanks a lot. You know, he's, he's probably in his mind already afraid, already like probably maybe plotting out like his excuse. You know, all the things we do when we're afraid that God's going to chastise us and that we're not really sure, you know, or we act like we don't care. I could just imagine Peter's heart just totally obliterated because he hasn't yet talked to the Lord about what he's done. 
and this, is, this happens to you and I all the time, all of us have parts of our hearts that we have not talked to the Lord about yet. And so we show up to prayer and we tell God what we think He wants to hear. But He says, I'm interested in this. And it's really beautiful, my friends. You want to know how particular the Lord is? Is that there's only two places in the New Testament where there's a charcoal fire. And the first one is where Peter denies Jesus because he's keeping warm. And all of us have our little charcoal fire where we deny the Lord because we want to stay warm. And the second one is on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus himself builds a charcoal fire to recreate the very place of Peter's shame, not to shame him, but to bring him into communion. It's so lovely. And I can imagine, you know, they had breakfast, and I can imagine Jesus probably was like to the rest of the guys, hey, I want to talk to Peter. And I'm sure Peter's just like, oh, man. And it's so wonderful. Because this is, this is love poured out. This is why the heart matters. This is the deep place of, of love where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell. And that's where Jesus looks at Peter. And I can imagine Peter's probably not even looking at him. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter's probably looking at the fire going, Lord, you know, you know I love you. And Jesus I probably doesn't realize what's happening yet, Peter. And Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's like, you know, I love you. And there's different Greek words that are even used for love. But Peter's like, you know, I love you. And it's so beautiful because Jesus, once again, wants to bring him into communion there. So he's going to ask him one more time, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And at that point, Peter just starts, he's just like, Lord, you know I love you. You know everything. You know that I love you. And you can just hear his cry of like, I totally failed you, but I, I love you. You have to know that. You have to know that I want more than this. And it's at that moment, my dear friends, that Jesus doesn't chastise Peter or shame him or criticize him. He speaks to his deepest identity and he brings him home to himself. And not only does he push him out of the mission he gave him, he doesn't push him out of the mission, he builds up the mission and he affirms who he is. Because this is how the Lord loves us. Not denying our sin, not denying areas of our life that were hard of heart or that we went wrong, but coming into those very places, our charcoal fires, if we allow him to bring us into communion. To bring us into communion. Only it's only intimate contact with the heart of Jesus that can heal the hardness of the human heart. So if I were to ask you this very honestly in your heart, where do you need Jesus to come? Because I really believe every single one of us, every single one of us in this church today, myself included, every single person watching this live stream, every single person who will ever hear this talk, every single one of us has at least one place where we need Christ the most. Where we need him to right now come with his kindness to heal us. And those places can be very scary for us, my friends, which is why we spend most of our life trying to avoid them. <laughs> and then we wonder why life has kind of turned out to be rather gray, or certain things in our life that we keep trying to fix or grasp at or manipulate or try to control, and if that person would just behave differently, my life would be a lot better. Like, what if it's right here? 
Because see, this is where God, because it's a covenant here, because this is a covenant, and it's an exchange of persons where God is our, he is our God and we are his people. We belong to him and he belongs to us. It's that relationship of sonship, of daughterhood, our deepest identity. This is what happens to us in our baptism. This is the objective reality. This is one of the things I love about being Catholic. It's the objective reality of who we are. The, the day that you and I were baptized, no matter how many years ago it was, that you had a mark put on your soul, an indelible mark that forever changed you, which is why we put a white garment on you where you come in a white garment. It literally, you are an ontologically changed being. You have a mark on your soul that forever marks you as belonging to God Most High. You are His. You belong to Him. And He will never leave you. And no matter what's happened to you in your life, and the reason why I'm saying this to you now, it's not because I'm a nun. <laughs> I'm saying it because it's true and because I believe it. And I know in my journey of, of trauma, of all the ways that I was conceived and how I came into the world and I was adopted and you know, my, my, my birth mother gave me up for adoption and I've never met her, I don't know who she is, but I, I, she's 17 years old in high school, unmarried. I feel like at some point she thought of aborting me but she chose adoption. I was put in a foster home and I was adopted. And then when I was a little bit older, I was sexually abused. I didn't tell anybody. And I started drinking at the age of 12 and like all this promiscuity and all this brokenness. So when I want to talk about suffering in life and I've wrestled with a lot of deep things and because I speak about things like that, I have the privilege of hearing stories of people who have wrestled with these things too. And all of us want to know at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're a bishop or a priest or a doctor or a lawyer or a mom of 12 <laughs> or a dad who's a plumber, or a kid who's in sixth grade, every single person wants to know, am I loved unconditionally? And does my life matter? And I'm here to tell you that yes and yes, yes. And that's the beautiful thing that no matter what has happened in our life, and this is, I'm gonna talk more about this this weekend, but these are usually the break points in our life where we've suffered from trauma, where we've had sorrow that's been inflicted upon us, all these different places of our hearts. These are the places where we don't, we're not really sure if God is good, where we're not really sure if God loves us. And the beautiful thing about the objective reality of our baptism is that we've been forever claimed by Him and nobody can take that from us. That no matter what you've done, no matter what anybody said to you, no matter what anybody's done to you, nobody has the power to change the truth that you belong to God forever. Forever. And in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus is baptized and he comes out of the water, the heavens open, and it never says the heavens close. It says the heavens opened and the Spirit of the Lord came in a dove, and a voice from heaven was heard that says this, this is my Son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. But let me give you a different translation that I absolutely love even better. It says this, this is my Son, the one whom I love, and in whom I delight. This is my Son, the one whom I love, and the one in whom I delight. And when you think about somebody you delight in, if you could just call to your mind somebody that you absolutely delight in, somebody that you just love, I can tell because you're smiling, right? Usually that's what happens, in, in, instinctively we smile. 
And that person that we love, they're not perfect. They have their own story, you know, they, they're not, but we just love them. We just delight in them. And we long to be with them. We long to see them. We want to do life with them. We, we, we couldn't imagine our lives without that person. This is the relationship that we're talking about. And in our baptism, my dear friends, the beautiful truth is that we enter into that same relationship that Christ does with the Father. So the day you are baptized and as you sit here today, the Father is looking at you saying, this, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter, the one I love and the one in whom I delight. And he never changes his mind. He never changes his mind. And I wonder in my own life how much more radiant and more beautiful my life would be if I lived in that relationship all the time. The relationship of the, of the truth of who I am. Because that's home. <laughs> that's home. And when we're at home with somebody, our, our defenses relax, we, we can be ourselves, you know, we, people know about our stories, we're not hiding things, we're not trying to pretend to be something that we're not. You know, we can just be who we are and the people love us, they speak the truth to us in love. And our hearts are brought into communion. And that's God's heart for us, is to heal us, in our, heal us from our sin, heal us from our wounds, heal us from the things that are fragmented, heal us from even now the thoughts that are going through your mind that say, yeah, but sister, you have no idea what I've done. You don't know what my family is like. You don't know what I've been through. And you're right, I don't. But God does. And he is sovereign. He is sovereign over all things. I just want to, if I could, if you'd allow me just to, I want to kind of do a bit of a meditation um, with you. But one of the things I love, I absolutely love the Easter Vigil Mass um, when there's the blessing of this Paschal candle. And I don't usually get to stand this close to a Paschal candle. But if, you, if you've ever, not ever been to a Vigil Mass before, but what happens is there's a fire that's blessed outside and this candle, which is a brand new candle, is blessed. And what happens is the priest takes a stylus, which is like a knife, and he carves the, the cross into the candle. And as he's carving the cross into the candle, he's praying prayers. And he's saying this, Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to whom all time belongs, for all ages, forever and ever. And then he takes these grains of incense and he places them in the five places, right, where the wounds of Christ. And he says, by his holy and glorious wounds, May Jesus guard us and protect us. By his holy and glorious wounds, may Jesus guard us and protect us. And as the Paschal candle is lit for the first time from the new Easter fire, the priest says, he prays for all of us, he says, may the light of Christ rising in darkness dispel the darkness of our hearts and minds. May the light of Christ who's rising in darkness dispel the darkness of our hearts and minds. And I remember this year, as I, I listened to those prayers, I just, I love them. I meditate on them throughout the year. I said to the Lord, amen. Amen. Lord, dispel the darkness of my heart and mind, because I want to live. I want to live. I want to receive the Holy Spirit in the depths of my heart. I want my heart to be transformed. I want the hardness of my heart, the places that are fragmented and hard, and the places where I'm self-righteous and full of sin and pride and all that. Oh, Jesus, you just come. You're welcome. 
You come and bring me into communion. So if it's okay with you, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to maybe help facilitate just a time of encounter with you and Jesus, if that's okay. So I just would like to lead you through a bit of a meditation. And you're welcome to come along with me in your heart. If you don't want to, you certainly don't have to. Um, and just because I'm on a time continuum, I'm going to keep going just for the sake of time. But if you find that there's a certain stage you need to stop at, I'm going to just let you do that. You go right ahead. If you're like, no, I need to stop right here and I need to talk to more, some more to Jesus about this, you go right ahead. Okay. So then what's going to happen is I'll lead you through a bit of a meditation. And then after that, we'll have a bit of quiet. And then Father's going to come and he's going to bring Jesus for us on the, on the altar here. We're going to be able to be gazed upon by him. He's going to gaze upon us. And every single time we're physically in the presence of Jesus, like every time we're physically in the presence of the sun outside, our hearts are transformed, right? So we'll go from that meditation just to some, some quiet, and then I'll invite you to bring that meditation onto the altar here where the Lord would like to just speak to a deep part of your heart, okay? So I'm just going to have you settle in, just kind of get comfortable if you wish. And if you have something in your hands, I'm just going to ask you to set it down. I'm going to have you just, as you sit there, just take a deep breath all the way in, just all the way out. And I just want to invite you, just in the quiet of your heart, just to invite the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Please open my heart. I just want to invite you just to imagine yourself walking somewhere, wherever your favorite place is to go for a walk. Maybe it's your favorite season, maybe it's late fall or late spring. Maybe it's the forest or along the water here. But where is your favorite place to go for a walk? And I just want to invite you just to imagine yourself walking there by yourself. Notice what the air smells like. Maybe you feel the warm or cool breeze on your cheeks as you walk. Just go for a walk. And as you do so, I'm just going to invite you just to call to mind just something in your life lately that's been troubling you. Maybe it's a worry that you have, you've had for a long time, or maybe something that happened with your spouse this morning, or maybe a chronic area of pain in your life, but just allow the Lord to bring whatever that is to your heart, and just notice that as you walk along. What is the situation, what happened? And why is it so painful? And just notice if you feel it in your body, even as you think about it. Do you feel like tightness in your shoulders or maybe your neck? And just notice. Just be very honest.
And as you walk along and think about that particular situation in your life, you hear behind you, a ways back, somebody just walking behind you very softly. And you turn around and you see that it's Jesus. And as you keep walking and considering that problem, he just gently catches up to you. And he's just going to walk with you for a while if that's okay. So just notice what it's like to ponder that in your heart and just to walk with him in the quiet there as you think about it. And you notice that he's not in a hurry. And that he looks at you with very deep kindness and attentiveness. And you can tell that he's very interested in whatever's happening in your heart. But he just honors you and just keeps walking with you. You can tell that he would like to hear about what's happening, but he won't force you to tell him. So as you walk along, if it feels safe enough to you and if you feel okay with it, I just want to invite you to finally tell Jesus about this part of your heart and tell him the whole story because he's not afraid. So as you walk along, would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to finally tell him the truth about this situation and how hurtful it is and all that's happening with it? Just let the whole thing out. Notice how much he cares about you right here and how kind he is. And you notice that he begins to slow down his pace a little bit. And you match it. And then he stops. And if it's okay with you, he would just like to turn toward you very gently and just to behold your face. Would you be willing to look at him here as he gazes upon you, as you share this part of your heart with him? For he is so very kind. Jesus would just like to say something to you about this part of your heart. 
So Jesus, I just ask that for each one of us right now, that you would speak to us, what do you want us to know about this part of our heart and how you love us right here? What do you want us to know about this situation, about this part of our heart and about how you love us right here? And if you're willing, I'm just going to invite you just in your imagination to hold out that part of your life in front of you in your hands. So if you could imagine yourself just looking at that part of your life or that situation in your hands out in front of you and just notice what it's like to look at it and let Jesus see it too. He is for you and his heart is for you. And he cares for you and he cares about this. And if you're willing, because Jesus wants to be one with you in all things, he would like to this evening, maybe in a new way or the first time ever, just to gently take this out of your hands and place it in his own pierced heart. So if you're willing, and it might seem scary because sometimes it's easy for us to cling on to these things, but would you be willing, my dear friends, just for tonight? Would you allow him just to reach out with his own pierced hands? and gently take that from you and place it in his heart, born of love for you. And if so, he's just gently going to do that. And you see his strong hands just gently reaching out, taking that part of your heart from your hands, and just gonna, he's going to place it in his own pierced heart. because the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. If it's okay with you, he's just going to place his hand on your heart there. And his hands are strong and safe and kind and warm and loving. Jesus, I pray that you would heal our hearts in this place. Lord, we offer to you this part of our heart, and we just pray for healing right here. We just surrender to you. And we ask the gentleness of your love, the gentleness of your Holy Spirit, to be like a healing balm, which descends to the core of our being. Any place that's dry or cracked or thirsty, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, that your healing oil would just come and fill us. Lord, we place our hearts on this altar tonight. And we ask that as you come among us to gaze upon us, that our hearts will be brought into oneness with you. Amen. You've been listening to Sister Miriam Heidland speaking about the healing power of the Holy Spirit. 
Next week, you'll hear part two in the series from the Charismatic Retreat held recently at St. Peter Cathedral in Marquette. Listen Saturday at 7 p.m. right here on Catholic Radio for the UP, 103.9 FM, WNOA.